All right, tonight, this message uh, has come again uh, from my, my heart as um, seeking the Lord this, this afternoon, and uh, actually that might be misleading. Well, went to the office like I always do, sat down and said, Lord, this morning was about all I had. So God, I'm not sure what you got for me tonight, but if you uh, would please help me, I certainly would appreciate it. And uh, seriously, within minutes, things just started coming, and I was like, I don't know, if you've never had opportunity or felt the weight or the pressure of this, you might not quite get it, but like halfway through this, I'm even going, wow, God, you're doing it. Uh, So it was kind of uh, interesting. The idea is uh, why all this is uh, going on. You probably already have a good uh, feel for why, if you've been paying attention the last couple weeks. Uh, But tonight's message is called The Great Separation. The Great Separation. And we're going to look at Jeremiah 3.14, New King James. I'll read it from this. is our opening text, which is Actually, something, ladies, I I used on our men this Wednesday, because I don't know if we all truly understand this, but it says, Return, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married to you. We are married to Christ, male and female. We are married, married to the Lord. Um, And I can relate it to as uh, my wife being married to me. And so... Um, He says, return unto me, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married to you. Now we want to look at Jeremiah 3.6, which kind of is a a little bit before and why he says this. So we as a church are married to Christ. If you're really a true believer, you're married to him, male and female. God has wants that intimacy And that love affair and love relation, that should be like in our marriage with his church. So verse 6 in Jeremiah 3 says, During the reign of King Joash, the Lord said to me, Now look at the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. Have you seen what fickle Israel has done? Like a wife who commits adultery. This is uh, New new Living. Israel has worshipped other gods on every hill, under every green tree. He's saying, have you seen my wife? She's run around with anybody that's willing and available. She's made love to many. And this is his heart pouring out to the prophet Jeremiah. And he says in verse 7, I thought after she has done all this, she would return to me. But she did not return. And her faithless sister, Judah, saw this. Now remember, Israel was split because of the foolish leadership of Solomon. Northern part and the southern part. Southern part was Judah. And so he's talking about Israel. Have have you seen this? Have you seen what my wife, my love, has done? And he says, I thought after she had done all this, she would... Return unto me, kind of like wise up and and see that this is a foolish path that we're on. But she did not. And her faithless sister, Judah, was watching all this. She saw, look, that I divorced faithless Israel because of her adultery. But that treacherous sister Judah had no fear. And now she, too, has left me and given herself to prostitution. Judah was supposed to be that remnant that's left for God. His chaste bride. His virgin. And she's seeing all this stuff that Israel has done. And the Lord himself is thinking, she has saw how it broke my heart. And has ripped out my heart. She has saw, I've gone to the extent that I have divorced myself, separated myself from her and her prostitution and her unholiness. And now she, the last of it, my remnant that is to represent me, is doing the same thing. Israel treated it all so lightly. 
She thought nothing of committing adultery by worshiping idols made of wood and stone. So now the land has been polluted. But despite all this, her faithless sister Judah has never sincerely returned to me. She has only pretended to be sorry. I, the Lord, have spoken. That last part, it's almost as if the Lord is looking to see. Does anybody dare contradict what I just said? And I, I boy, I'm not going to put my hand up. No, I, I think we're doing pretty good. No, 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 not at all. And this Judah, to me, represents the church. And this Judah, to me, represents the church in America. You understand the situation we are in is not because all them dumb people vote. No, it's because of the church. It's because of the church. Church. It's because of you and me. Make it real clear in case you're getting mixed up on the Greek and Hebrew that I'm speaking. (laughs) It is. It really is. And so God is saying, oh my goodness, do you see what Israel, and now Judah, and what husband would say, well, I don't care. Oh, I wouldn't, it would tear me up. So God being tore up from the condition of His church in America. Now, we go to Matthew 13, 24. This is what's going on. This is the great separation that we have now entered into. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in his field. America received top-shelf seed, good seed, the best seed. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared... The tares also. Tares. What definition of that is resembling wheat, except the grains are black. They look like wheat. Wheat, wheat, both wheat. Man, what a field of wheat. Wheat bloom, wheat blooms. Wow, look at that. What is that? Black wheat? Okay, you get the idea. That's what's happened in America. That's what's happened in America. Told you the statistic is there's 60 million wheat flourishing in America. 60 million evangelical Christians. Let's just wait until they produce the fruit. What? Look at all that. Okay? So that's what tares is. So it says his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Look, the enemy's purpose in sowing tares was and still is today to destroy the wheat. To destroy it. Figuring the farmer would say, what frustration. Just mow it all down. But the wise farmer, which we know our God is, said, no, no, no. We're going to let, we're going to let all, we're going to, we will not allow the enemy to succeed. Instead, he was going to sort all this out at harvest time. Sometimes I might have an indication what I think is a tear. And then when it produces, I go, oops. Aren't you glad I'm not that farmer? I'd be yanking you out. So God says, no, let them both go. And at harvest time, when the wise farmer says it's the harvest time, when it blossoms, I'll deal with it. So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in the field from whence, thou, from whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you'll root up also the wheat with them. Verse 30 says, Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barns. We lived on Jackson Road off of Boggs a few years back. In our backyard, 
we had a nice big round swimming pool and a deck around it. We had this, this tree that was kind of close. It had extra dirt, so we kind of put the dirt all around this tree and just had these beautiful flowers all around this tree. And, and one year, it just, it just looked awesome. It was, the flowers weren't blossomed yet. It, it might have been, you know, when fires start to come back and everything comes alive, and it just looks like it's going to be such a beautiful blanket of pink or white flowers, whatever they were. I don't even remember anymore. And they were just about at that peak of, of blooming. And they were, man, they, were, they were about this high, healthy-looking green all the way around the tree. And one of the friends that we have kind of was visiting and was a flower person, and I went out and said, what are these, man? Look at them. They're growing wonderful. And you remember, I don't know if I said this story or not, but you probably know where I'm going. She went, that's fake. That's fake. That's fake. That's a weed. That's what she said. Weed, 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 weed. Flower, weed, weed, weed. And I went, what? She said, I'm almost positive that they're all weeds. But the only way you'll know. And so I thought, okay, we'll, we'll just wait these rascals out. And there was like 25% of it was flowers. And these things looked just like them. They mimicked it, mocked it. I don't know what they were, where it came from. I don't know what it was, but I just, when it was time, and I could tell because I could not tell before, I just yanked them things all up. And it looked like a pitiful thing afterwards, but at least we had flowers. And I separated them. And I pulled them things up, and I would pull this one up. And if I didn't pull too hard, you could pull up the little root, and it's, it's all the way over here. And it caused these critters to start. And then it, it was just all around the tree, and I thought they were all flowers. Tears and wheat. And when I got the wisdom and it was time for harvest, I separated them. And this is where the Church of America is at. God is doing the separation. He's turning the heat up, like it or not. And he's going to separate the tares from the wheat. I have been personally frustrated with the church. We won't come together, worship together, pray together, lock arms together, do nothing together. Nothing. Totally frustrated to the point where I go, God, I'm glad you're in charge. I mean, to the point where just a couple years ago, I went, you know what, Lord, on the no, on, on regular way I am, I'm a loner. And so I've tried all this unity stuff. And Lord, it's just, that doesn't work either. So I'm just going back to myself, serving God with this group right here and see what we can do. And that lasted about a year and a half, so I am meeting with a couple pastors again. But we have come to the realization, us and those other pastors, that this unity stuff and, you know, if we could fill up Yankee Stadium for Christ, it's not going to do it. Be nice. We've done it already. What was that called when all the men gathered? Promise keepers. Awesome. Great. Went to one in Detroit. Uh, there must have been 50,000 men singing. I can't remember what song it was, but it was a goosebump song. It just these men just burrowing out the song was awesome. And they filled up stadiums all across the United States. And it didn't do anything. We had a million Christians march on D.C. or go there and just pray repentance and or unity, whatever they were praying for. And nothing. Nothing. Matthew 3.11 says this. And I've prayed this and preached on this and asked God for it. And now God's reminding me, uh, I'm answering your prayer. And I'm like, you are? And it was this, I need baptize you with water unto repentance. John says, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, listen, and fire. And I always wanted that fire to be another dose of the power of God. You know, or another, another dose of that passion for God. But I don't know. That might come on down the road, but this 
First fire, I don't think, is it. Because I can tell by 12, it says, whose fan is in his hand. She doesn't want this fire to go out. And he's fanning it for a reason. And he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. Garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He's got this fire because he's separating. Just like the story I told you years ago about Ruth's dad who lit his lawn on fire. We weren't even married. That's so long ago. She called me because her mother's panicking. I'm over there. He's going, leave it alone. Leave it alone. And he knew exactly. He was burning out all the old clippings that had fallen down in there through the years. It was actually suffocating the lawn. Now his lawn looked horrible. It looked like my pulpit for a while. And then it came back beautiful. Purging it. Purging. Separating. Right now we look a little ugly. A little barren. But this is exactly what God is doing. He's separating. And I know, and I, I can vision, now you, I didn't have a vision. I can vision God doing this to me, so therefore he's doing it to you. This is it. Tell me if you think you know what this is. You're not allowed to say anything, Jeannie, because we already talked about it. He's throwing me out of my hammock. I'm going, but, 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 Lord, I just got cable and internet. I got my cup holder. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And I'll end this. God is not going to forsake me, but God's going to get me to do what he wants me to do. Lord, you know, I could win, the, win a lot of people from here. Lord, watch this hill song I can find. And God is just flipping us out of our comfort zone and out of our hammocks. Psalms 1.1 says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, this has got to become our delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. This is what God's bringing us back to. This is what they used to do. This is why when they said, gold and silver, have I none, something happened. Because they were in the Word of God, and the Word of God was in them, day and night. That's when they would come together and pray. The place was shaken, because they were in the God. God's bringing us back to this. There's a separation. Verse 3 says, And he shall be, you and I, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. I was newly saved when the first oil embargo happened. When they took that big wheel and shut down the oil in uh, 74, 70, somewhere around there. And everybody was panicking and people would get out blocks of wood and put their rear tire on it so the car would lean just a little bit more so they'd get more gas in it. And people would hold the hose all the way up after it shut off. And I actually sailed through that time, not even really worrying about it and thought about it after it had passed. Wow. And every time I read that scripture, that scripture reminds me of that time. When people were panicking and fretting and my gas didn't go further, at least I didn't know if it did or not. I don't remember seeing any great gas in the wilderness. Anything like, all I know is God got me through that time. My leaf didn't wither. We got to where we needed to go. We did what we had to do. We went to church like we should. And this is what this means. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does, he shall prosper. That's when we were going to Pastor Bender's church, active in Pastor Bender's church. When the crunch came on, we didn't cut off services. Ruth said this to me the other day, and I'm thinking, boy, that'd make a good message. When the pressure's on, whether it's money, time, whatever it is, why is it that God always gets the shaft? Why don't you just say, I'm too exhausted to go to work today? And don't go. 
Seriously, why is it always church stuff goes? And when she said that, I thought, man, isn't that true? We're all like that. Now look, verse 4 starts the other group. And I hope that's not you or me. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. There's coming a separation. And I honestly don't know. When I look at our congregation, I'd have to say, looks pretty good, God. Pretty awesome. I hope you're blessed. But God will take this and is taking this congregation and tossing it in the air. Me with it. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In the congregation of the righteous. God's going to do a separation. He's done. He's done now. He, we've come to a season that I know all that stuff, that silly stuff, and all that stuff that has been making me like, that time is over. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment. We are under judgment. Judgment starts in Washington. <laughs> you wish it did, didn't you? <laughs> Where's judgment start? In the house of God. It starts with the one who's supposed to be making a difference. When uh, God came back to the garden, He looked for Adam. Hey, why is your house all messed up? He didn't go to Eve. He looked for Adam. No, he's not going to Washington. He's going to the church. And so he sees Judah who saw what God did to Israel. God did it. He divorced himself from Israel. I've had it with you. And he goes, you've seen what the treacherous sister, she even saw it. Meaning, to whom much is given, much is required. Much has been given to America in the form of the light of the gospel. Much. Abundance of light. That's why we have reached the elevation and the blessings that we have has only come from the blessings of the gospel. It's only come that way. But the Bible says ungodly are not so, but they're like chaff. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in this judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And that's what we want. We want a congregation of righteousness. We want a congregation of holiness. We want a congregation that is blessed of God, that will worship God, adore God, that will truly lift God up. We want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with power. God, we want to take Zanesville. He keeps writing all that down. You do? Awesome. And somewhere along the way, in his timing, close the book, this is okay, it's time. Throw them all in the air. Exact opposite of what we thought. We're getting thrown in the air, but we're expecting lines of people to come and come to this church. God's going to toss us up and down and out of our hammocks because it's separation time. You're not any longer going to be able to serve church, serve God, I should say, and do the various things that are displeasing to God. What are obvious to us and those things that you know inside of you that God's been saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? It's those times are over. Now, when I say it's over, there'll still be those church doing and playing their things. But it's through. It's over. It's done. Because when that pressure hits, they're going to flee. They're going to have nothing to stand on. The only thing you can stand on is this. This is your support. Lean not unto thy own understanding. When Goliath came and he was the best that the enemy had, came out with all his garb and his weight. Remember the tip of his spear was like 50 pounds and he just held it up like nothing. All that silly church could offer who was run by King Saul was 
you can marry my daughter and I'll make you rich. That's what he had to offer him. Riches and all that stuff means nothing in that day. Absolutely nothing. David came who was tried and tested and thrown out of his hammock and had to face the bear and the lion. He had to face the heat and the battle. He's why when he came amongst all those following that pastor, walking through them and saying, what's the matter with all you guys? Why are you letting this guy defile the army of God? Because they had no sustenance, no meat. They were built on silliness. And all that those leaders had to offer him at that time was a position and money and a woman. It's what the world offers. But God had done something inside of David that he looked at Goliath just like as another chump. How dare you? And that's what God's doing at separation. That's exactly what he's doing. And you might be in your own private battle right now, but just get up and take on the lion and take on the bear. They might grab some little promise God has given you, some little lamb, something somewhere, some child of yours, some heartbroken situation. Get up and go after it and deliver the lamb out of the mouth of the enemy. This is what God is doing. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And this is what he's making out of us, hammock swingers. And if I'm talking only to myself, just put up with me. Because I would rather swing. I told you, I had my new hammock all picked out. Verse 6 says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Chaff and wheat was thrown on the floor, pitchfork it, and they would throw it in the air. And the chaff was so light, the wind would blow it away. The persecution, the wind of trials, the wind of the heat is on and blow away. It says here the, sh the chaff is the light shell around the kernel of grain, which must be stripped away before the kernel of grain can be ground onto the floor, into the floor. Chaff was light enough that it could be separated from the grain by throwing a scoopful into the wind and letting the wind drive away the chaff. So this is how unstable, how lacking in substance the ungodly are. And you can sit here and look like wheat, but when God tosts us in the wind of that adversary, in the wind of all that pressure out there, you're going to blow away. And that which hits the deck will be the true church of God. That's what God's doing. What's going to fall back and hit the floor is going to be the church of Jesus Christ. No more wheat and tares. You can't sit here under the pressure that will probably amount on the church and play church and look like a wheat. Sway with us when we sing, clap when we clap. I'm telling you, that's just the way it is. There is coming a great separation in the church. Look, look, look. This is a good thing. Uncomfortable, yes, but you got the comforter. Okay, we've already gave you all that stuff for this morning about the strength and the ability and what's going to happen, how it comes, and God will be with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. But God and you have been calling, and I have been calling out for a true church, for a real church. God, please make us. He says, okay, I will. Look, and the stakes are souls. That's why you're in this, or should be in it. It's not for healings and blessings and put a dollar in, get tenfold back. All that nonsense is as Saul's church. And when Goliath stood, they all cowered back and trembled. God's always in the separation. Sheep on my right, goats on my left. All these people going down to drink water. Remember that one? Well, I don't know how many there were. 30,000, 33,000, I don't know how many there were. And all of you who want to leave now, because it's going to get rough, leave. They left like crazy. And then he said, there's water, go drink. And those that said lapped like a dog, had no conscience of nothing wearing around them, the enemy, nothing like that. He said, beat it. You don't have a clue what you're doing. Those that went down and went like this, he said, that's the church. 
Those are the people that are aware there's an enemy around. And he's got the other person's back. If I'm thirsty, dying of thirst, and I go, brother, i got to have a drink. Help me. And I go down like this, and he's doing that too with me. Then what are you doing? Who's got my back? The separation. We're in it. Matthew 13, 49 says, So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. So, if we've entered the time of separation, we must be pretty close to the harvest, to the end of the world. Look, it's just the way it is. If the election has done anything, it's opened my eyes to the condition of our poor nation. At least 50% of the people said it's okay to abort. 50% of the people said it's okay to redefine marriage. What? No, it's not. Too bad. We're doing it. And, and, and on and on and on. So, no wonder God is saying, get the church in boot camp. Throw them up. Here we go. Turn the heat on. Remember Popcorn Christian? No more kernels all cuddled together in a little jar on a shelf talking. Love you, brother. Love you. You're a wonderful kernel. Well, I get it from you. <laughs> God has taken the jar of kernels. What do you do with pop? Go home and make popcorn. Make it without any heat. How's that taste? You got to have heat for that kernel to become fulfilled and it blows from the inside out. And that's what God's wanting from us. Pop, Christian. Pop. And if you are going to be stiff-necked, and refuse to pop, what will happen to you? You'll burn. And you have this nice big popcorn bag of popcorn, and you're just, mm, this is just wonderful and wonderful and wonderful. And then you get down to the bottom where the burnt ones are, and what do you do? <laughs> Sound scriptural? Oh, yes. Our silly games are over. Over. You don't have time to be playing silly games. Let's even let's even throw since we're doing men's Bible study and, and the ladies doing let's throw it's silly to be distracted by silly marriage stuff. This is how this is you understand how crucial this is now. Your soul is in balance. You can't be distracted. You got to be focused. So it says Matthew thirteen forty nine. So shall it be at the end of the world, which is where we're at. The angels shall come forth at God's command now and sever the wicked from among the just. Just like I was doing at flower bed. What on earth? You're kidding me. These are all fake. You lousy. I didn't have mercy on any of them. None. And if the root went cracked, I went, oh, no. Dug it. Got it and get it out. That's what's going on. Church of America, and we're part of it. Isaiah 1 says this, 21. How is the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Now look, how did the church become like this? We started out. I mean, Christmas, the babe, the song, the angels, and the Singing, glory to God in the high. How'd it turn out like this? You want murders? The Bible says if you hate your brother, what are you? You can proclaim the word. It's truth. You're, that's what it says. And so Isaiah says, how is the faithful city becoming harlot? It was full of judgment, meaning righteous judgment, good judgment. Righteousness lodged in it. But now, murderers. Look, the silver has become dross. The wine, mixed. We have drinking, sipping saints. Now, we have uh, homosexual churches. Oh. And you can go like this and have. 
look, it says it right here. And they'll go, yeah, it says it in mine too. I don't see it that way. So this is what, this is what Isaiah was saying. The princes are rebellious. The companies and companies of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts. Follow after rewards. They judge not the fatherless. Neither does the cause of the widow come unto them. Now we got one of our most outstanding generals. It's like this. Is there anybody telling the truth anymore? Isaiah says in 59, what? What's fallen? Truth has fallen. Oh, it's fallen in our lifetime. Right in our lifetime. Therefore, saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, ah, I will ease me of my adversaries and avenge me of my enemies. Listen, and I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away the dross and take away all thy tin. God has turned his hand toward us and said, I've had it and I'm going to purge the dross off. How do you get dross off of metal? Heat. Extreme heat. Not my kind of heat. One little single match. Oh, okay, Lord. Oh, no. Heat. Flipped out of the hammock. Now, all you have to do then is be aware of this. Press into God, and God has everything you need. Really, truly, that's the truth. So God promises to turn up the heat and refine Judah, taking away our impurities. Listen, his goal is not to destroy us. He's not, I'm sick of this church, let's have another flood and get rid of them all. He's not doing that. You're about to enter in and a time or a dispensation that you really longed for. You just didn't expect it to come that avenue. Silly example. Ruth had a physical ailment that came upon her in the weekend. And we got one of them doctors that drive me crazy. And it's, it's even through Monday through Friday, if you need them, you can't call after three. If you have one of them. Do you have one of them? Are they all like that? Well, this one came after three. I remember my dad was alive. He told the doctors. He looked at him and says, people don't get sick after three around here? So that's what happened. We just kind of, you know, prayed and kind of tough it out and manage it. Going downhill. Three o'clock or so, went to see Luke play and basketball and looking at my wife into her eyes. I could tell, oh, she's getting sick. I can tell. You can just tell sometimes. Sometimes these guys can tell things perceive things so we're in new concord and starting to come back and made a few phone calls and figured we better go to um is it called first care we heard uh, there's one in cambridge hardly any lines whipped the car around shot to cambridge pulled in closed and inside i'm starting to by the way it's now five. I got to be at the airport at eight to get Jonathan flying in. So we're going, Ruth's going, that's all right. We'll just go back. I'm like, forget it. We're going to Big Bear, wherever that, what's, whatever that's called now, Healthplex, urgent care. Going to Big Bear, fix her. <laughs> so now I'm in Cambridge. We're really getting close on time, at least an hour. If you drive like a, well, I was going to say if it's a Christian, you'll get there in a half hour. If you drive like a real Christian, it could take about an hour. So I'm calling the lady as I'm driving. She finally answers. And she goes, name, please. And say hello or nothing. And I went, well, this is for my wife, Ruth. Ruth DiVincenzo. Spell that. D-I-V-I. What? What? She's going, what? What? And I'm going, she goes, Ruth, F-B-O. <laughs> Honest to God. I said, what? I said, Ruth, DiVincenzo. Meanwhile, I'm shooting down the interstate, doing the speed limit. 
I was, driving to that place. She was so fouled up on Ruth's name that I kind of whispered to myself, went, oh, for crying out loud. Did you hear that? I went, oh, for crying out loud. And she goes, wow, it's hard to hear you all. Look at me. I didn't care. I had a sick wife, and I wanted an answer. And I wasn't being rude. I was saying D-I-V-I-N. She went, F-B-O. And I said, what are you talking about? Ruth, F-B-O. I said, no, DiVincenzo. And I had to ask Ruth, because Ruth was like, just take me home. And I'm like, we're going there. <laughs> Figuring, you know, I'd have maybe, uh, oh, if I got there, maybe an hour and a half to try to wait, or maybe two hours to, you know, and all. Well, I'm, I'm getting to my point. We finally get there, and they're not packed. The lady said, we've been packed all day. You're second in line. As soon as she said that, second in line, first in line was called back. Ruth came down, sat down within two minutes, called in, back home, got to the airport by eight, and got Jonathan. <sighs> yeah. Got home exhausted just because of the, just all the mental stuff and the driving and the turnaround and all that. What I'm saying was, as all this is, that was none of my plan. My plan was just to turn around, they're open, yes, and have medicine already knew what we wanted and be taken care of, and we'd be back, and I'd have an hour and a half to get myself together, ready, cleaned up, go get John, whatever. So we drove all, we, we were in almost in Cambridge, almost all the way back home, turned around, went back to Cambridge, they're closed, and we're flying down with a silly lady on the phone, and then we're in this place, and I'm wondering, oh my, is that the lady that was, I was on the phone with? I was nice. We got the medicine, and we believe Ruth is coming back. But it was nothing, my plan. Just like, this is not my plan. I thought, man, we'd be rocking. We'd be packed. The wall would be pushed out. They'd be on fire to take the city. They'd be lined up to come to the house of God. Maybe that will happen. Because it did happen. Ruth did get what she needed. But the avenue certainly was not what this and that way and back and this and the silliness. Just come on and zoom back to. Maybe that's what we're going through. And the end result will be what we really thought and prayed for. And we'll look at each other and go, who would have thought this way? Right? Rewind about 2,000 some years. Everything is horrible. Romans in control could care less. Spit on you and kill you and stick you on a cross rather than even look at you. Who would have thought the answer would come? Come on. Not one of us would have been, I knew that all. No, sir. No, sir. No way. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, making goo-goo and gurgle sounds. That's my answer. That's my Savior. That's my all in all. What? It's amazing. Total amazing. It's all I can say. And we find ourselves in another position, always outnumbered. Doesn't care. God doesn't care. Doesn't phase God one bit. God promises that He's going to have a church, a victorious church, a church without spot or wrinkle. And it's going to be for real, a real church. And I would always pray that. But one prayer I've prayed a long time. Lord, I want a true church, a true church, a true church, God. Maybe not even knowing about all that I might have to go through to get to a true church. But as I open up my eyes, your answers to that. God says, I'm going to send them. They're going to be raw recruits. They're not going to look too good. You're all kind of a ragtag team with the leader that's really not sure how to lead. But God says, I'll whip them in shape. Just like when we went to boot camp. I had my long hair and my big old pork chops, sideburns. <laughs> 
I would never say yes. Certainly not yes, sir. Polishing shoes, forget it. Well, they whipped me in shape. In six months, six weeks, even had to tie a knot. Well, that's a piece of cake. No, it had to be a certain knot. And then the knot had to be, if I remember right, maybe it was two fingers. Two fingers away from the post bed. And if it wasn't, he would rip it off. He would throw the bed over. Throw the sheets out. Your drawers of all your uh, toothpaste and on the hallway what would go. Because it was like three fingers instead of two fingers. They would do that if you had to come and report. They wanted you to knock once. If you went in, oh, they went ballistic. God is getting us in shape. You're not going to get by with just the five-finger commitment. No, God's going to say, okay, this is the way I want it now. I want it this way. Job says this, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. We were awesome when we marched. And we weren't Marines. We weren't even Army. We were the Air Force. And I never marched after that. We were awesome, man. One. Our heads, we didn't bob like out of, we were like just one. And he'd go, right on. We'd go. It was awesome to be a part of that. This is what God's saying. You're going to come forth as gold. Right now, we don't look pretty good. But God says, you're going to come forth as gold. Gold meaning as precious metal. Meaning with brilliance and splendor. And that's what I've wanted all the time for us. That we could have the brilliance and splendor of God. So that they would look at us and say, man, how are you different in this time? See, man always does everything. You got spray tans. There, you're tanned. But what do they tell you? Don't get a shower. Don't get a bath. Because you'll wash it right off. That's man's silly, cheap ways. And we've done that in the house of God. We got the glory of God. See? And it washes off through the first storm. End with this. Haggai 2, 7 says, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm counting that on this house, too. We're part of the American church. Fill it with glory, God. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house and I would always think, God, how on earth the church is so messed up. Us as pastors don't even get along. How is this ever going to happen? Well, actually, I could see the beginnings of it. If I'm in a foxhole, bullets whizzing over my head, do you think I care if this guy's a Baptist? You think I care if he's black? All I care is, dude, can you shoot? Right? I don't care if he's Chinese. I don't care if he's Latino. I don't care if he speaks in tongues. Dude, can you shoot? That's what we need because we're so fouled up. We're so bad, so messed up. Silver's mine, gold is mine. God says, I'm going to tell you something. This former house, this the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. This is God's plan for you. You remember the video that I showed uh, of, they had a funny skit, guys, but this one was really good and they did the chiseling. Remember God wanted to chisel things in and out of your life? And so as soon as he put the chisel up to him, he went, ah. He didn't even hit it yet. That's American Christians. That's what we are. 
and we've got to take it. We've got to just stand there and say, God, do what you've got to do so that I can come forth as gold. How can that guy forget what country he was from? We saw him in the video rolling on his mat year after year in his cell. Get out after five years. They finally trust him to go gather wood. And he would run like crazy and gather two piles of wood for two days, bring in one pile. The second day he would go out and he'd run and search for a Bible. He wasn't looking for guns, knives, people to help him escape. He was looking for the Word of God. He was married. He had children. He got caught again. And they showed him again, years tossing and turning with a burlap sack. And then he, 10 years of that, comes out, giving God praise, giving God glory. And I would look at that and say, God, they got something I don't have. God wants the American church to have what they have. And he started it. Let's stand. I hope you don't run. I hope you don't go AWOL on God. It's going to be tempting, maybe. Might become tempting in our lifetimes. And there's not one of us. Look, don't do this. Don't be like Peter. Lord, I'll die for you. I'm not saying that. I'm not. All I'm going to do is say, God, if you give me the guts, I'll hang in there. Oh, there's that song we used to sing a bunch and still do. Mm. Show me your face, Lord. If I can just see your face, I'll make it to the end. Show me your face, Lord. Remember that song? And that, that part. And it's always like, no, Lord, I don't need signs and wonders and miracles. All I do is need to look for my father and say, and I'll make it to the end. Our altar call is just simply asking God that. God, I'm starting to understand what's going on. Squeal, cry, moan about the hammock being thrown out, but start to realize, okay, God, I'm getting a grip. I'm getting my wind back. Give me my focus back. Now, Lord, give me what I don't have. And he'll do it. He'll do it. So that's our altar call. Our altars are open. Spend some time right now. These altar calls, for all these years, of where you should be getting the support and things that you need to get through life. They're not just something else to do. These altar calls, that's you saying, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. I got to go down. I got to go down. And you just add God. God. Our altars are open. Michael, if you've got something to play, be great. You can kill some lights if you like. Thank you.